0: Good morning, Daryl. How are you?
1: Good morning, Frank. Nice to be with you.
0: Nothing going on in the world today, Daryl, right? You know, it's pretty calm. <laughs> uh, we've got quiet uh, was...
1: day. Just traffic in Rhode Island and uh, impeachment in D.C.
0: Impeachment in D.C. and not only that, I was watching a clip how uh, former President Donald Trump had predicted a number of years ago that under a uh, uh, under a Joe Biden presidency, the stock market would tank. And then yesterday, it hit an all time high. So. <laughs> I, yep. I don't know. <laughs>
1: uh famous last words from the former president uh he always has predicted economic doom and we have a stock market reaching an all-time high unemployment pretty low and inflation actually coming down
0: and predictions from the fed that we're going to cut back i think at least 3 times on the um on the interest rate so uh, in the next year why doesn't that message get to people
1: well there always is a lag effect between the economy improving and people believing that it is improving so I think Biden is right to emphasize economic issues, but it's going to take a while for that to sink in. Uh, You know, the media often focus on the the negative aspects of the economy. Uh, The president needs to keep talking about the low unemployment, the uh, big drop in the inflation rate. And ultimately, I think that will uh, boost him. And and especially if the Federal Reserve is cutting interest rates uh, next year including multiple times, as they indicated they would uh, yesterday. Uh, That, I think, will be a big help to the president. And, of course, he needs the help right now because his poll numbers aren't very good.
0: You know, the thing we hear most of all this election, I don't think it's an election between two individuals. It's, I think, an election... More about the, the the basic foundations of this country. Whether or not I don't know if we re, if we are a democracy anymore, but we at least strive to maintain a democracy or return to an autocracy. But I look at this vote yesterday uh, on the impeachment, and it is strictly along party lines. I don't think it's far fetched to to think that much of this has been orchestrated by by Donald Trump or or a perception that that the Republicans had to to do this in order to. Solidify their position with the former president. Even Republicans are saying that they don't have, they don't have the evidence. They're just trying to find it. Even with that, if if they vote in in such unanimity, aren't we aren't we on a march towards autocracy at that point?
1: Well, as you mentioned, uh, basically America has become a tribal nation uh, divided into the two tribes, and that party vote yesterday on, on impeachment kind of reflects that. Uh, This is actually part of the reason why uh, the economic numbers for Biden have had difficulty uh, breaking through in terms of public opinion, because half of the electorate doesn't want to give him credit for anything. It was interesting in uh, early 2021, uh, basically, when Trump was president, Republicans thought the economy was good. As soon as Biden became president, Republicans thought the economy was terrible, even though they were basically talking about the same economy. So that is just part of the reality uh, today. Uh, The impeachment vote to me is disappointing just because Democrats kept asking uh, leading House Republicans yesterday, what is the crime? Like, why are you initiating this impeachment effort? And they couldn't really get a specific answer on that. So House Republicans clearly have cast their lot in that direction. I think you're right. uh, Trump is probably behind this. You know, he is upset that he was impeached twice. Uh, He would like the record to show that Biden is impeached once so that he doesn't look bad by comparison. And I think the same thing applies on the Hunter Biden thing. Like Trump is facing all these indictments and he likes to be able to point to uh, problems in the Biden family to say they're corrupt and it's not just me.
0: So do you think in the Hunter Biden case that um, initially there was a deal made? We were talking about a misdemeanor and then there was some interference from politicians and suddenly we're back here to much more serious serious charges. Are we seeing the, the political system trying to influence the courts and, and, in essence, really blurring some of the lines that we were supposed to have when it came to our government?
1: I mean, the political system clearly did impinge on the Hunter Biden case in the sense that, you know, he clearly had a very troubled past. He clearly uh, did a number of bad things. But the tax issue typically is something that uh, would have resulted in civil fines and civil offenses, and they would negotiate the difference, and they would say, you underreported your income. Uh, you owe us uh, you know, this amount in uh, taxes. So uh, it's rare for a tax evasion a case to actually result in uh, criminal uh, charges. Hunter Biden did have business dealings in China. That's uh, well documented. Uh, but House Republicans keep trying to say, that Biden was on the, uh, President Biden was on the take from uh, China. So far, they have actually not produced any evidence of uh, that. So uh, that is the, the weak part of their uh, case, at least so far.
0: And they've had committees that have been investigating this for several months.
1: Uh, House Republicans have been trying to get records on this front. They've been trying to uh, form a documentary trail. So far, they have actually not come up with anything on President Biden. Like, obviously, there's a lot on Hunter uh, Biden. Uh, there also is going to be a deposition of uh, James uh, Biden, uh, the brother of the uh, president. So they have launched a, a full force effort uh, on uh, the Biden family. But so far, they actually have not come up with much on President Biden himself.
0: They're in the majority. They have a right to do this, I guess. And we can all judge whether or not we we think it's a, a, a valid approach. But um, it, it appears that they can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I was see I saw a number that this has been among the uh, the most least productive congresses in our history I think they've they've um, they've actually passed like twenty two bills over the course of the year and, and including in that that's a renaming of something or or whatever with our with our bending we' put we keep putting off the bills that are necessary the approvals um, we ha- we leave uh, the Ukraine in, in a very precarious position at the moment. What happened? Why suddenly or maybe this has been going on longer than I thought. Why suddenly have politicians lost the desire to actually govern?
1: Uh, That's a great question. And certainly when I was growing up, both the Republicans and Democrats understood they had to bargain with one another. They had to compromise. They had to uh, negotiate. And that's how legislation got passed. Today's politicians don't want to compromise. they basically uh, argue that compromise is a dirty word. It reflects a lack of principle uh, and that you don't have any values that you uh, care about. But politics always has been about the art of compromise. And it is disappointing that Congress has not done more legislating this year. They seem to have spent all their time trying to investigate their uh, political opponents, but not much time actual, uh, actually legislating. Certainly, since to Ukraine hasn't. We haven't made much progress on that. Uh, ditto in terms of military assistance uh, to Israel. Uh, you mentioned the government funding issue. Uh, in three weeks, the government's going to run out of money again, and so it's just not clear how Congress is going to get to yes on any of these uh, issues because people don't want to compromise anymore.
0: Where do we go from here? I mean, and we're gonna, we're going to enter a, a highly political year next year. Where we're going to have, of course, we're going to have the presidential election. We're going to have the House of Representatives up. We're going to have a number of senatorial seats up. Um, it only seems to me that it gets gets more difficult and more, more divided, if it can get more divided.
1: I think 2024 is going to be a very tough year in the history of this country. Uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, there's a lot on the line, the future of American democracy. Uh, can our government actually address the problems that we face both here in the United States as well as around the world i mean we actually need our government to be making decisions because there are so many problems and just standing by and doing nothing is actually the worst of all possible outcomes so i'm not expecting a lot from congress in 2024 but at a minimum they need to pass a budget like, they need to keep the agencies operating. Uh, they need to provide uh, military assistance to Ukraine. Like, there's a lot they need to do. And I hope somehow they get their act together. It seems like the only thing that actually generates action anymore is a deadline where if they don't do something, everything completely uh, falls apart. So, but until the middle of January when they face that next deadline.
0: How do we change this? You know, I, I guess we need a different crop of candidates who uh, perhaps. Um, have, a, have a different view of, uh, of government. I, um, you know, if I took a look at Liz Cheney, I, I'm by far not a conservative, and I would not agree with a lot of her policy measures. However, and I'm reading her book now, I have, uh, I have such admiration for her integrity and for her placing the Constitution above all else. How do we find those people?
1: I agree. I mean, she has been very uh, principled. Uh, she basically lost her seat in Congress because uh, she wanted to stand up for the no. Constitution. Would, I would put Mitt Romney in the same category. You know, no, I was true. never a huge fan of his when he was uh, running for president. But, Other you know, he has become very principled. Other Republicans should no. say, but haven't been uh, saying.
0: An observation uh, that I've had, and I don't know whether or not it's valid or not, is if we are going to change things well into the future, it has to start in our schools. That we've got to do better with civics education. We've got to teach about ethics. Um, we've got to teach about all of those things that aren't really happening right now. We've got to have. We've got to teach about about how you can determine uh, truth from fiction. And I don't know if that that's happening in our schools.
1: It's really not happening uh, now, and I agree uh, that is a big problem. Like people don't really understand how government operates, uh, ha- the art of compromise, and how important uh, that is. It's like everybody is kind of locked into their tribal system they get information only that kind of reinforces their uh previous uh, beliefs and so it really becomes hard to address uh, problems in that situation so you know if our schools you know did a serious job of teaching civics if there is you know renewed emphasis on ethical issues uh we need people to basically value the constitution and uh, take steps to protect american democracy uh, I'm not sure people fully appreciate how much is actually on the line uh, next year, but I'm hoping we have a big turnout. We actually have had a public that has been very engaged in the last few elections. In 2020, we had the highest turnout in the United States going back almost 100 years, uh, and so I'm hoping that in 2024, people understand the stakes and they turn out and vote.
0: There's um, there's an awful lot of money in in politics. People talk about different kinds of reforms. They talk about term limits. I guess for me, I think that the the, the the biggest need is some real campaign finance reform where no longer these special interest groups have so much of an economic um, impact on the various candidates that run. And where do you, where do you stand on term limits as well?
1: Uh, I agree with you in terms of campaign finance. Like money in politics is just, it's a complete uh, cesspool. Uh, there are wealthy individuals who are literally spending multiple millions of dollars to influence the election, to lobby Congress, to basically get uh, special provisions that affect their uh, their own uh, businesses and, and give them undue uh, benefits. The Supreme Court has been a huge part of the problem. Uh, 30 years ago, we actually had a good campaign finance system. Uh, but over the years, the court has just blown one after another big loopholes in uh, those uh, rules. And basically now there are almost no campaign finance rules. Uh, like wealthy people can spend as much as they want. There's a lot of secret money that comes into the process. There's a lack of transparency about where uh, the money is coming from. And then this fuels, you know, rightful public indignation about the uh, political uh, process. But uh, money is a big part of the problem today.
0: I hear from a lot of people who say, well, the the, uh, the way we fix this is through Term limits, but then I listened to Common Cause that says um, what term limits does is it gives more power to the lobbyists and more power to the career um, uh, government employees.
1: I mean, I tend to agree with uh, 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 what uh, the Common Cause stance is on that in the sense that we actually have test cases. Like there are a number of states that have adopted uh, term limits. Uh, We actually don't see an improvement in government performance in that situation. Uh, What it does is there's just more rotation in office. You kind of lose the institutional memories of uh, the experienced people, and you have a bunch of people uh, who don't really have much experience. We're kind of seeing that play out in the House of Representatives today with a speaker who is relatively new to politics, has never been in a leadership position, hasn't really chaired a congressional committee, and now he's Speaker of the House, and he doesn't seem to understand you know, how to get to yes on uh, some of these important questions.
0: There's a great book written from the Harvard negotiating team many years ago called Getting to Yes. Maybe we should distribute that uh, among, our, uh, among our top politicians. Uh, Darrell, what have you been doing lately? Any new books?
1: Uh, I continue to work on a kind of the intersection of technology and elections <laughs> and governance and kind of the various problems that technology is creating for our system Uh, right now working on a book about disinformation which is going to be a huge problem in 2024 uh, because the technology has been democratized to the point where very sophisticated ai algorithms are now available to everybody because it's prompt driven and template driven so you don't need a computer science background to uh, use the sophisticated ai algorithms and we're going to see uh, fake videos fake audio tapes there's just going to be a rash of False information, and my worry is the twenty twenty four election is going to get decided based on disinformation.
0: One well, my tell me if you think I'm wrong with this premise. So as you know, I, I came out of print. I spent a lot of a lot of years in print journalism, seeing the demise of print journalism, to where we have areas of this country that are really news deserts. They don't have any any local media at all, whether it be print, whether it be uh, radio, whether it be TV. I've never cared about how the um, information is delivered, delivered in a cloud, if you will. I cared about how we did our journalism and that that craft was not in any way diminished and that we had people out there uh, in a a robust way covering everything from local government up to national government. Um, I've seen a change when I look at – and so Providence Journal, where we worked for many years – I came up here to, to, to work 300 reporters, maybe 10 today. Um, no coverage of local government, really. Um, I, I listen to and I watch the the, uh, the national reporters on some of these TV stations, and I hear opinion. I don't hear news coverage. I don't hear. Um, it's really hard to be objective because once you choose a, a news story, you've lost a little objectivity, but you should always be fair. I don't see that a whole lot, And. I don't know how we remedy that either.
1: Uh, You're right. Uh, That is a huge problem. I mean, local news coverage has been completely uh, decimated. Private equity firms have bought up the local newspapers and basically cut costs and laid off uh, most of the reporters. And so it's really hard to find uh, detailed uh, coverage of state and local government uh, anymore. And the national uh, media has its own uh, problems of You know too many opinions and uh, too many obvious uh, bias i mean what i advise people and what i try and do is rely on multiple information sources like you you can't lock yourself into any one source of information but if you're reading and watching and listening to multiple outlets then you can kind of uh, cobble together uh, the truth of a particular uh, situation so i find that's kind of the best way for people to protect themselves
0: And, Daryl, unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but I want to thank you very much for being with us this morning. Um, you're one of the good guys out there, and uh, keep fighting the good fight.
1: Thank you, Frank. Uh, nice to uh, talk with you this morning.
0: Thank you, Daryl.